Welcome to the Natural Curiosity Project. I'm Steve Shepard. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me. You know, I've always been curious. I don't know why, I just know that I am. I'm a writer and a teacher and a storyteller, and my job is to be curious, to ask questions and to share the answers. This program explores my belief that why, that simple three-letter question, is the most powerful question that any human has ever asked. Every time we ask it, we challenge ignorance and the status quo. This, I believe. Curiosity leads to discovery. Discovery leads to knowledge. Knowledge leads to insight. And insight leads to understanding. Something that, let's face it, seems to be in short supply these days. So thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoy the program. One of the topics that I've gotten really interested in over the years is the field of generational theory, which looks at how different generations behave as they become adults and take on responsibilities at work and in life. This is not pop psychology. If I had to classify it, I'd say that it falls under the world of cohort theory or the law of large numbers, both of which basically say that if you get a substantially large enough sample size, you'll start to see common behaviors emerging. And since generational cohorts number in the tens of millions, I'd call that a statistically valid sample size. Generations come into the world as part of a four-stage cycle because it turns out that there are four generational models or archetypes that repeat over and over and over again, and they've been doing so for eons. I have personally tracked the cycle in my research back to the middle of the 11th century, but I'm sure there are people far more academic than I am who've tracked it even farther back in time. The behaviors that most researchers look at are those associated with the workplace. Today, there are four generations in the workplace, unless you count Warren Buffett, which makes it five. Starting with the oldest, we have my generation, the baby boomers, born roughly from 1946 to 1964. And yes, there's a lot of discussion about the birth years for each generation, so you'll find different ranges in the literature, but the dates I use are in the ballpark. Anyway, after the boomers, we have Generation X, or Gen X, born from roughly 1965 to 1981. Then we have the millennials, my kids, born from about 1982 to 2004. And finally, we have the plurals, sometimes called Gen Z, born between 2005 and 2025 or thereabouts. Now, remember how I said that generations come in a four-stage cycle where each stage is a different generation? Well, that makes sense. Boomers, Xers, millennials, and plurals. But I also mentioned Warren Buffett. Warren was born in 1930, which makes him a member of what's called the silent generation, my parents' generation. They were born from roughly 1925 to 1945 or thereabouts, but that makes five generations, which violates the four-stage cycle I just told you about. Well, actually, it doesn't. It turns out that the silent generation is the generation that came before the boomers, and if you look at generational behaviors, you'll find that the plurals, Gen Z, are a repeat of the silent generation. It really is a cycle, and with the arrival of the plurals, the cycle repeats. And by the way, each generation is born for about 20 years, so the whole cycle lasts about 80 years or so before it starts over. And by the way, the reason that we call the most recent generation the plurals is because of several pretty relevant, important facts. In 2018, the number of babies born in the United States was, for the first time ever, less than 50% white, 
meaning that the country is on its way to becoming a truly pluralistic society, which is nothing but good news. It's also reflected in their loud public support for gender, racial, and ethnic equality, which is more good news. So back to generations in the workplace and why understanding them is so important. First, I want to dispel some of the myths and legends associated with generational theory by going on record with the following statement. All generations, all generations, want the same things in life. They want a good job, in some cases a career. They want some kind of education. They want to raise a family. They want to be comfortable, eat well, go on vacation, and make money. They want to be recognized and rewarded for a job well done. And they want to feel like they're growing personally and professionally. In other words, they want to live their best lives. I often hear people say things like, oh, millennials, they don't care about money. Seriously? What, they don't eat? They've figured out how to photosynthesize? They have no expenses? Of course they care about money. But they also care about how they earn it. And they care about the social mission of their employer. For example, a study was done not too long ago by one of the big professional services firms in which they gathered together a large group of millennials and they asked them the following question. Imagine hypothetically that we're going to hire you. We're going to pay you $100,000 a year as your basic salary. But you have two choices. We can pay you $100,000 a year, or we will pay you $100,000 a year, 5000 of which you get to direct to the charity or cause of your choice. What will it be? Overwhelmingly, they chose the second option. That's just who they are. What I'm trying to say is that when you look at the workplace and you recognize that it's multi-generational, you also have to recognize that, number one, they all want the same things, and that, number two, they want them in a different way. Boomers, for example, would love to be loudly and publicly recognized for a job well done. That's just part of their psyche. Xers just want you to recognize that they did more than the job called for and reward them quietly. And millennials want the team to be recognized, not just the individual, but they all want to be recognized. The point here is that each generation plays a different role in the workplace. So if you recognize that and you respond accordingly, you'll have a highly effective workforce. So let's talk about that a bit because I think it's worthy of discussion. Boomers are overwhelmingly the oldest cohort in the workplace. Sure, there are still a few members of the silent generation out there drawing a paycheck, like Warren Buffett, but given that their birth years are between 25 and 45, that means that the youngest members of that cohort are in their mid-70s. So the boomers are the oldest, which means that we've been around the longest. And that means that we have more experience than anybody else. We're the keepers of institutional memory. We've made all the mistakes, and for the most part, we've survived them. And yeah, we're not as technologically adept as the younger generations. They are called the digital natives, after all, and for very good reason. But we've seen waves of technological innovation come and go, and we know what worked, what didn't, and why. We remember dial-up modems, and the Apple Newton, and the Palm Pilot, and the day the Macintosh was born. There's an old expression that says good decisions come from experience. And experience, well, that comes from a lot of bad decisions. Well, we've made them, but we've also made a lot of good ones. Gen X is a very interesting generation and a very capable one. They're in the intriguing position of being sandwiched between the boomers and the millennials, which means that they are uniquely adept 
at understanding both of those generations in addition to their own. Xers tend to be a pragmatic, self-driven, entrepreneurial, balanced, independent group of people, which explains why places like Silicon Valley came into being under their watch. A lot of people think about the founders of companies whose apps live on their phones today when they think about the Valley. And while I take nothing away from those companies, most of them anyway, they didn't start Silicon Valley or the tech industry. That credit goes to people like Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak and Larry Ellison and McNeely and the folks at Xerox all Xers. Millennials, and a few plurals, few because they're still pretty young and haven't made huge inroads into companies yet, are the middle management down to entry-level employees in companies today. They're supremely technical, well-educated, social cause-driven, and they bring a lot to the workplace. But they don't have a lot of experience yet or institutional knowledge because they haven't been around long enough to accumulate it. But other skills and capabilities, they have those by the truckload. But think now about what you have here. At the bottom of the pyramid, we have a huge cohort of young people with enormous energy and drive and a powerful urge to make a difference for people, companies, and the world in general. Then, in the middle, we have Gen X, a bunch of people who want to harness that energy and power and direct it at the challenges faced by the business. They are, after all, in middle and upper middle management positions where they're paid to deal with such things. And then we have the boomers, on their way out for the most part, employees who are the keepers of the keys of institutional wisdom and culture and knowledge. So what? Well, my point is that every generation brings value to the workplace, to society, if they're allowed to do so. The combination of boomer wisdom, exer execution, and millennial and plural energy drive and innovation make for a very powerful three-part engine. But there's a danger here. If not dealt with properly, institutional wisdom can very quickly turn into institutional baggage. In fact, the contributions made by each of the generations can become discredited, often for illegitimate reasons. First, we have the label problem. We've all heard them. Boomer equals old, irrelevant, and disconnected from reality. Xer equals disconnected and doesn't care. Millennial equals young, snowflake, idealistic, and unrealistic. And plural? They're too young to have a label yet. If we allow those largely inaccurate labels to globally define employees, peers, colleagues, or customers, even competitors, then we do them and ourselves a major disservice. I mean, just think about it. Yeah, boomers are on the older end of the scale. That doesn't make us stupid. It makes us experienced. Xers aren't disconnected, and they do care about work, but they also care at least as much about their family and having balance in their lives. And millennials? Yeah, they tend to be idealistic, but weren't you at their age? And frankly, don't you want a big dose of that in your company? I know I do. The second thing that can cause issues is a failure to appreciate each generation for the unique capabilities they bring to the table. Millennials, by and large, want to make a difference in the world. They want to be part of something bigger than themselves. They want to have impact. And you know what? They're good at it. They're making a huge difference. Go take a look at the online department store, Showfields. Just have a look at their website. That's spelled S-H-O-W-F-I-E-L-D-S dot com, Showfields dot com. Look closely at the row of pull-down menus across the top and click on the one that says Shop by Mission. Look what appears. Cruelty-free, 
female-founded, give-back, locally-made. How does it work? Well, if you select one of these, the returns you get from a product search will only include results from companies that are on record for supporting whatever cause you selected. If you don't think that option is the result of millennial social action, think again. They want to make a difference, and they are. They vote with their dollars. When a Gen X employee chooses to turn down overtime because they want to spend time with their family, as an employer, you should celebrate that. That's the sign of somebody who puts a lot of value on having a balanced life, which means that they're going to be a well-adjusted, strong contributor to the business, not a slacker. And boomers? Yeah, we talk about the way things used to be, but that's not a desire to go back there, at least not for most of us. I've seen the t-shirts that say things like, the older I get, the better it was. When we talk about things that happened earlier in our careers, sure, some of it is pleasant reminiscing. We're old enough to remember when mobile phones didn't exist, and the day email arrived at the office, and what the world was like before the internet, social media, and e-commerce. But it's also a way for us to say, look, I already made the mistake that you're about to make, and it doesn't end well. Let me save you the trouble. So across the board, going out of your way to understand what drives and motivates each generation is time well spent. The comedian Stephen Wright once said, It's a small world, but I wouldn't want to have to paint it. In a similar vein, people are people, identical in so many wonderful ways. But we're also different, based on so many things, including when and where we were born. I love the Stephen Wright quote. He's the same guy who said, I put a skylight in the kitchen. The people upstairs are pissed. But a more appropriate quote here might be one from Albert Einstein. Everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it's stupid. Treating all employees the same way is easy for a manager, but it's also potentially off-putting and perhaps even destructive. Recognizing the differences among people of different generational cohorts, especially differences measured by the unique value they bring in terms of how they approach work, how they innovate, how they collaborate, how they want to be attracted, rewarded, disciplined, and retained, that's a recipe for the creation of an effective, efficient, passionate, and collaborative company. And in today's market, who doesn't want that? Hey, thanks for dropping by. I'm Steve Shepard, the host of the Natural Curiosity Project, where we're committed to the idea that curiosity leads to discovery, discovery leads to knowledge, knowledge leads to insight, and insight leads to understanding. In every episode, we explore some topic that piqued our curiosity enough to make us want to share it with you. I hope you enjoy the journey. And if you did, I'd appreciate it if you'd leave a comment over at iTunes or SoundCloud, wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you very much. We'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.